Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Danish traditions. Because mythology comes from oral tradition, there's a wide variety across sources. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. A warning, this episode features dramatizations and discussions of murder, suicide, sexual content, gore, and violence that some people may find offensive. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. A roaring fire blazed in the hearth, warming the longhouse, which was full to bursting with wedding guests. The bride, Signa, sat at the head table, watching the reverie with a smile on her face. Earlier that evening, she, the Finnish princess, had wed Henry, the king of the Saxons, bringing an end to a decades-long blood feud. Now, inebriated Finns and Saxons danced arm-in-arm like old friends. They sang drinking songs and songs of war, of Odin, the one-eyed Allfather, and of the Einherjir, his army of fallen warriors destined to fight for eternity. Signa felt a sudden chill as a gust of wind swept through the longhouse. She looked up to see a man standing in the doorway. The man looked like he had no business being at a wedding, or anywhere but a battlefield for that matter. His animal hide garb and wild beard were flecked with snow, while his face, barely visible behind his knotted hair, was scarred and streaked with war paint. The wedding guests parted as the stranger made his way to the head table. He stopped directly in front of the bride and groom and fixed Signa with a piercing stare. Then his lips peeled back in a leering, cavity-ridden smile, a smile that was strangely familiar. 
Singna's heart plummeted as she realized that she recognized this man. His face had been less scarred, his beard less wild, when he had left for war five years earlier. He was Graham, king of the Danes, and the man Singna had originally been betrothed to marry. Before anyone could move, Graham lifted an enormous mace from beneath his furs and brought it down into the center of Henry's skull. Singna screamed. Graham scooped her up in one arm and threw her over his shoulder. Still wielding his mace in the other hand, he dove into the crowd. The inebriated wedding guests went for their swords, but the wild-haired warrior was unstoppable. Graham swung his mace with abandon, cutting down Finns and Saxons without restraint. He fought his way to the door, leaving a trail of Signa's dismembered friends and family in his wake. With the wailing bride still over his shoulder, he charged out the door and disappeared into the night. Welcome to Mythology, a ParCast original. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. Today, we're looking at the adventures of Hadding, one of the mythological kings of Denmark. It's a story of gods and giants, and a farm boy who rose from exile to become a warrior and a king. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. We also now have merchandise. Head to ParCast.com merch for more information. The story of King Hadding, or Haudingus as he's sometimes known, is set around 500 AD in Denmark, shortly after the fall of the Roman Empire. At this point, Scandinavia was controlled by several North Germanic tribes, including the Danes, the Finns, the Saxons, and the Swedes. These tribes fought constantly for supremacy, conquering one another's territory briefly, only to be defeated in turn a few decades later. This cycle created a backdrop of violence and instability that pervaded Scandinavian culture and religion, informing their legends and myths. They were practitioners of the Norse religion and worshipped such gods as Odin, the one-eyed Allfather, and Thor, the hammer-wielding god of thunder. In later centuries, they would leave Scandinavia to raid and pillage the shores of northern Europe and would become known as Vikings. But before there were Vikings, there was Graham. After the massacre at the wedding, Graham took Signa back with him to Denmark. In one night, the princess had lost her husband, along with most of her family and friends, and had become the captive wife of their murderer. The grieving princess thought she would never know happiness again. But she was wrong. One year after her abduction, Signa gave birth to a boy who she named Hadding. Not long after, 
Graham departed on what promised to be a several-year-long war against the Swedes, leaving Signa to raise the child alone. It was hardly the life the princess had hoped for herself, wandering the lonely halls of Graham's fortress with his baby on her hip. But as time passed and the child grew, Signa's grief slowly began to fade. By the time Hadding was taking his first steps in the garden, the horror of the wedding had become a distant memory. Despite everything that had happened, Signa found herself filled with more joy than she had ever thought possible. Unfortunately, it was not to last, for Graham's violent deeds had made him many enemies. King Sveepdog of Norway allied with the Finns and Saxons, promising them revenge for the wedding massacre. When the three armies marched on Denmark, Graham rode into battle to face them. Outnumbered three to one, the Danes were slaughtered. At last, the warlord Graham met his bloody end, run through by Sveepdog's spear. Signa knew that her son would not be safe while a Norwegian king ruled over Denmark, so she placed her son in the care of a loyal handmaid, with instructions to bear him far away, where he could be raised in secrecy. As Sveepdog's army bore down on the city, the handmaid fled in a creaky rowboat. Violent waves battered the tiny vessel as it cut through the night. The handmaid clung to the swaddled infant, terrified of what lay ahead. The queen had insisted she leave Hadding with monsters in the hopes that they would protect him. A bolt of lightning split the sky, illuminating the cliffs that loomed ahead, and something standing on the shoreline. Terror coursed through the handmaid, and she squeezed the infant so tightly that he began to cry. In the brief flash, she had seen the silhouette of a man, a man whose shoulders and head towered above the very cliffs. She had reached the shore of the giants. Sixteen years passed, with the Danes living under the yoke of Sveepdog's rule. Every few years, the Danes would revolt against the Norwegian king, and each time, Sveepdog quashed the uprising without mercy. Meanwhile, across the sea, the son of Graham was well on his way to becoming a man. <coughs> Hadding roared and swung his axe, bringing the blade down into the wooden plow. He had spent all morning working the fields, just as he had for the past 16 years. The plow had gotten stuck, and Hadding had lost his temper. He hacked furiously at the farm equipment, unleashing all his pent-up frustration until the plow was reduced to splinters. At last, Hadding dropped the axe, spent, and stared down at what he had done. Von Oftus, his foster father, would not be pleased. Hadding heard the thunderous footsteps and turned to see an enormous figure approaching. The giantess towered into the sky, taller than any of the surrounding trees. Hadding turned red, embarrassed to have been caught in the middle of his tantrum. The giantess was Hearthgrippa, Hadding's closest friend and foster sister, she was also the closest thing he knew to a mother, having nursed him as an infant when he first arrived amongst the giants. 
Getting into fights with the farm equipment again, Hatting? I hope you won this time. I can't do this anymore, Hearthgrippa. You've barely got an acre left to go. Come on, I'll pluck a tree and we can build a new plow before Father finds out. No, I mean, I can't live like this. I'm not a farmer. The blood of Graham the warrior flows through my veins. I should be back in Denmark, helping free my people from tyranny, not wasting my life here. Oh, Hadding, why are you so determined to wander and make war? We have everything you could ever need here if you would just learn to enjoy it. Why don't you settle down? Take a wife. <laughs> a wife? There aren't many eligible women around here. Hearthgrippa's enormous brow furrowed in frustration. She turned away from Hadding in a huff and strode across the field. It took a moment for Hadding to realize that he had hurt her feelings. Wait a minute, Hearthgrippa. That's not what I meant. I'm sorry we've made you so miserable. Perhaps Father never should have taken you in. I haven't forgotten what you've done for me, Hearth. I only meant that the women here don't exactly, well, come in my size. Is size the only problem? Before Hadding could respond, Hearthgrippa began to shrink before his eyes. As she did, the lines on her face faded away, becoming more youthful by the moment. At last she stood before him, for all the world a beautiful maiden his own age. Hadding stared at her in awe. I didn't know you could do that. I can do lots of things you're unaware of, Hadding. Would you like me to show you more? As Hearthgrippa reached Hadding, her arms snaked around his waist, and she pulled him close. It still seemed wrong. Hearthgrippa was like a sister to him, but he had never seen a human woman before, much less one so beautiful. As Hearthgrippa kissed him, Hadding's protests melted away. The romance between Hadding and his foster sister was as exciting as it was illicit, and for weeks, Hearthgrippa heard no more talk of war or battle. But this silence was not to last. One night, the giantess awoke to find Hadding's space on the bed empty. Hearthgrippa followed Hadding's tracks to the cliffs south of the farm. She found the young Dane standing at the edge of the cliffs, staring out across the dark, moonlit sea at the distant shores of Denmark. I'm sorry for waking you, Hearthgrippa. I couldn't sleep. Because you still want to leave. I was a fool to think you would ever be happy here. The time has come for you to return to your homeland. You're driven to reclaim the throne you were denied. I don't know what to say, Hearthgrippa. I never wanted to leave you. And you won't. If adventure is your first love, then I will court it with you. If the battlefield is where you belong, then a warrior I shall become, for I will not leave your side. Hadding embraced Hearthgrippa, overcome with love and gratitude for the giant. In the morning, they said goodbye to Von Oftus, who had grown so uncomfortable with his children's relationship that he was glad to finally see them leave. As Hadding rode the tiny two-person boat across the choppy sea, he watched the shores of Denmark loom nearer. After 16 years, he was finally going home. Coming up, Hadding returns to Denmark and begins the long journey to reclaim his throne. Now back to the story. 
Hadding and Hearthgrippa landed on an uninhabited shore, then traveled west through dense forests and long stretches of desolate moorland. It was freezing cold at night, and there was never enough to eat, but Hadding didn't care. Each day, he could feel himself moving a bit closer to his destiny. After weeks of wilderness, Hadding and Hearthgrippa finally reached a small village, but when they entered, they found it completely abandoned. I was looking forward to eating something besides gamey rabbits and berries. Look, a column of smoke at the edge of the forest. And I hear music. They found the entire village at the outskirts of town, in the midst of an elaborate funeral. A young woman, naked and painted in black pitch, danced on the fresh burial mound at the center of the crowd. Hearthgrippa questioned a few of the bystanders before returning to Hadding, who was still watching the funeral procession with fascination. They tell me this man was killed by a creature that lurked in the forest. What kind of creature? They do not know, for no one has seen it and lived. Yet this beast lies between us and our destination. I wish there were some way to find out what killed him. Perhaps there is. That night, Hearthgrippa and Hadding returned to the gravesite after the mourners had all dispersed. Hadding watched in astonishment as Hearthgrippa began to dig up the grave. You would dig up a corpse on the day of its funeral? We need to know what's in our way, and he can tell us. Pardon me if I find our lives more valuable than his peace. Hadding was bewildered by this response, but Hearthgrippa refused to explain further. Eventually, he gave up on pressing her and began to help her dig. At long last, they unearthed the body. The man's skin was already beginning to fester with maggots. Hadding had to hold his breath as he lifted it from the earth. Hearthgrippa took a piece of bark from a nearby tree and carefully etched a strange symbol on it. Hadding watched, mystified, as she inserted the bark into the dead man's tongue. <coughs> who, ah! who summons me hither from the land of the dead? Hadding stared in disbelief. The dead man was moving. He was speaking. Hearthgrippa, however, didn't seem the slightest bit perturbed, and she stepped forward to address the corpse. Apologies for disturbing you, sir. We only wish to ask a question. Ask me nothing, vile sorceress. I only bear ill tidings for you. Hearthgrippa, perhaps the dead are better left undisturbed. We wish only to know what creature lives in the forest yonder. What was it that brought about your death? <laughs> it is your death you should be concerned with, vile succubus. For as you ripped me from the veil, so you shall be ripped asunder. I curse you. I curse. Hadding tore the bark from the dead man's throat and threw the corpse back into the grave. He and Hearthgrippa stared at one another, both white with fear. What had they just done? Despite what the dead man had said, Hadding and Hearthgrippa determined that they had no choice but to continue on into the forest. That night, they made a shelter of twigs and brambles and agreed that they would take turns keeping watch. Hadding awoke to darkness 
and the sound of something moving nearby. He was sure that he could not have been asleep for more than a few minutes. Could it really be his turn to keep watch already? The scratching sound continued. Hadding sighed and cracked an eyelid, and his heart filled with cold terror. Hearthgrippa was fast asleep on the ground beside him. The scratching sound was coming from the mouth of the shelter, where something was creeping. Something large, with long, slender legs. For a moment, he thought it was a monstrous spider, but from the shadows, he could only count five limbs. Hadding grabbed his axe and leapt to his feet as the monster lunged for him. Suddenly, he realized it wasn't an insect at all, but an enormous human hand. It seized Hadding, massive fingers wrapping around his torso, and squeezed. Hadding gasped for breath and felt a rib crack. Suddenly, Hearthgrippa was awake, trying to pull the enormous hand off of Hadding. She gripped it and bit into the flesh at the base of the thumb. The hand released Hadding, and he swung his axe, severing it at the wrist. Hadding and Hearthgrippa stumbled out of the shelter and stared upwards. The male giant whose hand Hadding had just severed stood over them, clutching his bloody stump of an arm. It spotted them and lunged. In an instant, Hearthgrippa rocketed upwards, becoming a giantess once more. She slugged the one-armed giant, sending him stumbling backward. He hit the earth with such force that Hadding was thrown from his feet. Moving quickly, Hearthgrippa plucked Hadding from the ground and placed him in the branches of a nearby tree. Stay here, my love. This is my fight. Hearthgrippa, wait! The ground shook with the force of an earthquake, rattling the tree so violently that Hadding feared he would lose his grip and fall to his death. As he watched, the source of the shaking became clear. More giants began to emerge from the woods, arriving by the dozens. Hearthgrippa was surrounded. Hearthgrippa, run! Ah! Ah! Hadding! The giants fell upon Hearthgrippa, She fought back with more ferocity than Hadding had ever seen, kicking, punching, and clawing at her attackers. But there were too many of them. They seized Hearthgrippa by her limbs, stretching her taut. Hadding could do nothing but watch in horror as the attacking giants tore his lover limb from limb. By the time Hadding reached the ground again, the giants had departed. He knelt beside Hearthgrippa's severed head and wept. Hearthgrippa, I'm so sorry. (laughs) For weeks after Hearthgrippa's death, Hadding wandered the wilderness in a grief-fueled haze. Icy winds arrived with the first frost of winter, but Hadding was numb to the chill and to his own hunger. All the frost in the world was nothing compared to the cold emptiness he felt in his heart. The one person he had ever loved was gone. In his depressed state, Hadding arrived at a small village comprised of little more than a single road and tavern. His heart lifted slightly. A tavern was exactly what he needed. Fight me, you cowards! 
I'll kill the lot. Hadding's grief had turned to fury as his fighter's spirit drove him to start a brawl. Blows rained on Hadding from every direction. He fought back with the ferocity of a wild animal, but he struggled to strike his opponents, unable to tell which of them were real and which were illusions conjured by his cask of mead. Something crashed over Hadding's head and he fell. Before he could stand, his opponents seized him, carried him to the door, and threw him out into the night. Let me go, you filth! Let me... Hadding lay in the snow, bruised, battered, and too drunk to stand. He knew that he would freeze to death if he didn't move, but maybe that was what he deserved. Now that Hearthgrippa was gone, Hadding had little to live for. The giantess had been there for him his entire life, and he had failed her. Hadding cracked a swollen eye and looked up at the horse towering over him. An old, one-eyed man in a gray cloak sat atop the horse, staring down at Hadding with a toothy grin. Looks like a right comfortable spot you found there. Mind if I join you? Do as you like. Hadding watched as the strange old man clambered down from his mount and set about collecting sticks and kindling. Moments later, a fire roared to life. Feelings slowly crept back into Hadding's limbs. He sat up and watched the old man, who was humming and stoking the fire. Who are you, old man? And what do you want with me? The name's Leeser, and I'm looking for warriors to join a campaign against Loker. Leeser explained that Loker was the tyrant vassal who Sveepdog had placed in charge of the land. Hearing the name of his father's killer, Hadding leapt, or rather stumbled, to his feet. Any ally of Sveepdog's is an enemy of mine. I'll, I'll join your cause, old man. I said I was looking for warriors, not drunks. Sit down before you hurt yourself. I am a warrior. I am Hadding, the son of Graham returned from exile to avenge my father. I will cut down this tyrant loker, and when Sveepdog hears what I have done, he will tremble in fear. <laughs> Very well, Hadding, son of Graham. You shall have your chance at vengeance. The next morning, Hadding awoke to the worst hangover of his life, and Leeser's staff rapping against his shins. Hadding finally scrambled to his feet when the old man threatened to leave him behind. After several days of travel, the pair reached the encampment where the meager Danish forces were preparing for the coming battle. An axe was thrust into Hadding's hand, and he was jostled along to the front lines. He had barely introduced himself to the infantrymen beside him when he heard the first war horn. Loker's army had appeared over the crest of the next hill, Hadding stared in wonder at the wave of soldiers surging toward him. The Danish commander sounded the charge. Hadding laughed with delight as he cut down enemy after enemy. He had been in plenty of fights before, but this was his first real battle. With each swing of his axe, he became more certain this was where he belonged. Looking around, Hadding realized that he was surrounded by enemy soldiers. He had been so overzealous that he had missed the call for retreat. 
a sharp, searing pain exploded across his back. Hadding turned to fight his attacker, and an arrow found its home in his thigh. He fell to the earth, still swinging his axe. Warm blood pooled around Hadding as the enemy soldiers streamed past. He couldn't die here. Not now, when he still had so much to do. When he had only just found this glorious thing called war. When we return, Hadding visits the halls of Valhalla and learns that despite his first defeat, his journey is far from over. Now back to the story. As Hadding drifted back into consciousness, he became aware of a throbbing pain in his side where a spear had skewered him. His eyes opened groggily and he blinked, the world coming into focus. To his surprise, he found that he was no longer looking at the sky, but at a great painted ceiling. Where in the nine worlds? About time. I thought you were going to sleep the day away. Who? Leeser? Sitting up, he found that he was laying on the marble floor of an enormous hall. At the end of the hall, sitting on a large carved throne, was the last person Hadding had expected to see. The old man smiled at Hadding, his single eye twinkling. His gray robes were gone, replaced with glittering golden armor. Hadding could not believe his eyes. Leeser, the mad old wanderer, was none other than Odin, the chief of the Aesir and king of Asgard. You were Odin all this time? Then this must be Valhalla, and I truly must be dead. That is up to you. I can return you to your earthly body and heal your wounds. Or, if you prefer, you can remain here. I don't understand. I told you, Hedding. I was looking for warriors, and based on your performance on the battlefield, it seems that I've found one. Come, let me show you. Hadding followed Odin to a balcony, which stood over a great field. Down below, two armies were locked in a furious battle. Who are they? The Einherjir, souls of great fallen warriors. Each day they face each other in battle, each evening, their wounds are healed and they join each other in a glorious feast. So it has always been, and so it will be, until Ragnarok comes. When I ride into battle to face the great wolf Fenrir, it will be with the Ain Harrier at my side. Hadding's heart swelled with longing as he watched the battle. There could be no more glorious end than this, and yet, something was wrong. You do not wish to join them? I do. I want it more than anything. But I have not yet avenged my father or reclaimed the glory of my house. I have fought in one battle and I was defeated. How can I join these warriors in death when I failed to prove myself in life? I was right to choose you, Hedding, for you already know the truth. There is no rest for warriors. So be it. From beneath his armor, Odin drew a gray, tattered cloak, the same one he had worn as Leeser. With a flourish of his wrist, he threw the cloak into the air, and it landed on Hadding's head. Instantly, darkness consumed Hadding's vision. 
he felt himself being lifted into the air and heard a great rush of wind. He smelled the briny stench of salt water. Peering through the holes of the cloak, he looked down to see eight horses' legs galloping beneath him. He was flying over the sea on the back of Sleipnir, the great horse of Odin. He had truly visited the hall of the Aesir. Look away, Hedding, for this road is not for mortal eyes. When you awaken, you will find that you have been captured and stand to be fed to the beast Loker keeps in his dungeon. Drink from the beast's heart, and you will be filled with its strength. Hadding blinked again, and the cloak was gone, faded into darkness. His hands were shackled. As he looked around, he realized that he was lying on the cold floor of a dungeon, which was full of the bodies of wounded prisoners. The dozen or so prisoners who were conscious were all cowering together at one end of the prison, staring at something behind Hadding. Hadding turned around. At the opposite end of the prison stood the most enormous wolf he had ever seen. Seeing Hadding move, it dropped the bone it had been gnawing, its lips peeling back into a hungry snarl. Hadding scrambled to his feet, hoping to intimidate the wolf with his size, but its growls only grew louder, and it took a step toward him. He looked around, desperate for anything to defend himself with. His eyes fell on a long femur bone lying on the ground between him and the wolf. It was broken in half so that it ended in a jagged point. The wolf lunged, and Hadding dove for the bone. He grabbed it just as the beast's jaws closed on his shoulder. Hadding screamed in pain and rolled onto his back, jabbing upwards with all his strength. The wolf went limp and collapsed on top of Hadding. The jagged bone had pierced its heart. As Hadding crawled out from beneath it, he remembered Odin's words. He knelt and drank deeply from the warm blood flowing from the wound. Almost instantly, Hadding felt his strength returning, along with a power like nothing he had ever known. His muscles seemed to vibrate with energy. He felt as if he could leap over mountains and tear down walls. The door to the cell was wrenched open, and two guards charged in. Hadding stood and turned to face them, his mouth and front smeared with the wolf's warm blood. His back flexed and his arms shook until the metal shackles broke in half. The prisoners watched in astonishment as Hadding charged the guards, dodging their spears and swords with ease. He seized the first guard by the throat and hurled him into the wall with a sickening crunch. The guard crumpled to the ground, dead. Hadding turned to his partner. In a single movement, he effortlessly disarmed the guard and ran him through with his own sword. Hadding turned back to the prisoners who had been cowering in the corner the entire time, watching him with astonishment. My name is Hadding, and I am the son of Graham the Great. Loker will pay for his evil, then Sveepdog will fall to my axe as well. Follow me, for the honor of the Danes. For a moment, no one moved. But then the first prisoner stood. 
Hadding took the keys from the guard and removed the man's shackles, then did the same with the rest of the prisoners. Together, they crept up the stairwell. Hadding found Loker and his army in the main hall, fast asleep around a great table. They had celebrated their victory with a feast, drinking and eating themselves into a stupor. One by one, Hadding and the prisoners slit the throats of the sleeping soldiers. Hadding's wolf strength faded soon after the battle with Loker, but his fame only grew. Word that the son of Graham had returned spread, and soon the leaderless Danes congregated to his cause. Hadding led the Danes into one battle after another. They raided the villages and cities, expelling Sveepdog's vassals and seizing their wealth. Hadding's forces grew with each victory, and one year after his first battle, he marched on Sveepdog's stronghold. Hadding stood at the edge of the wide field with the army of Danes at his back, surveying the fortress where he had been born. His eyes narrowed as the gates opened and a trio of horsemen emerged. One of the riders carried a white flag, while another wore a golden crown. It appeared that Sveepdog intended to parley. Hadding rode ahead of his army and met Sveepdog at the center of the field. He surveyed the tall, gray-eyed king. So, you are the man who has caused so much trouble for my armies. Tell me, what will it take for us to end this war? I can offer you land to rule. I have no interest in being your vassal, Sveepdog. I am Hadding, the son of Graham, and rightful king of this land. If you wish to end this war, I will only accept surrender or your life. You dames are all the same. You never know when you're outmatched, just like your father. He kept trying to fight, even after all his men had been slaughtered. I cut off his hands so that he could no longer wield his axe. When he kept charging, I cut off his legs. Do you know what he did then? He tried to bite me. He still fell to my blade in the end. You're right about one thing, Sveepdog. We Danes are the same. If you defeat us today, more will rise a year from now, and more a year from then. You will never have a moment's rest until we have driven you from our home. Then it appears we are at an impasse. Hadding rode back to his army's encampment, while Sveepdog returned to the safety of his fortress. Despite his bold words, Hadding was worried. He had heard rumors that the Norwegian king's mother had been a powerful sorceress, and that she had taught her unholy magics to her son before she died. Sveepdog descended into the bowels of his fortress, the light from his torch dancing across the countless skulls that decorated the catacomb walls. He entered an ornate crypt, a desiccated corpse lying on an altar within. Sveepdog took a piece of bark, etched a symbol upon it, and placed it in the corpse's mouth. Mother, I am in need of your guidance once more. <coughs> the Danes lay siege to my city. They are led by a man called Hadding, the son of Graham, and I do not have enough food stores to wait him out. Mother, I must know, if I face this man on the battlefield, will I win? Uh, uh, 
The next morning, Hadding stood in front of his army, watching the front gate of the city for any sign of movement. At last, the gate opened, and Sveepdog's cavalry came pouring out. But instead of charging toward the Danes, they turned and headed north. A grin spread across Hadding's face. Sveepdog was running. Hadding and the Danes pursued Sveepdog's forces across the land, and then across the sea. After hours of dogged pursuit, Hadding's fleet caught up with Sveepdog's off the coast of Norway. As Hadding bore down on Sveepdog's ship, he saw a flash of green lightning. Suddenly, Sveepdog's ship split in half. Hadding and his crew watched in astonishment as the enemy soldiers fell from the sinking ship into the churning sea. Hadding heard a torrential roar as massive waves shook the sea. A tower of scales stretched up out of the ocean to loom above him. An enormous sea serpent had risen from the ruins of Sveepdog's ship. Hadding's crew cried for their leader to turn back, but the warrior refused. This, he realized, was Sveepdog's foul sorcery at work. Sveepdog had cast aside his human body to try and fight as a monster. He ordered the ship forward, barreling straight for the beast. Serpent Sveepdog lunged, gaping jaws stretched wide, and Hadding hurled his spear. The serpent screamed as the spear pierced its throat. It thrashed angrily, kicking up violent waves that tossed the ship to and fro. Cries of horror filled the air. Sveepdog's massive tail crashed into the hull with the force of a battering ram. Hadding was thrown from the ship as he tumbled through the air and plunged into the icy waves. He flailed helplessly in the dark water, not knowing which way was up or down, while his men and pieces of the ship sank around him. Lightning flashed overhead, revealing the dark shape of the sea serpent barreling towards him. He rolled and the jaws snapped shut on empty water. As Sveepdog hurtled past him, he reached out and grabbed the shaft of the spear still jutting from the monster's throat. He was dragged downward with incredible velocity as the serpent swam deeper into the dark abyss. With his free arm, Hadding reached back for the small axe belted to his waist. Mustering all the strength he could in the rushing water, he cranked back his arm and brought the axe head down into the creature's neck. Sveepdog writhed in anguish, but Hadding held on tight. He swung the axe again and again, hacking into the monster's neck until its head was severed from its body. Hadding clung to the serpent's head as he started to swim. His lungs screamed for air, but looking in all directions, he saw nothing but darkness. The monster had dragged him too deep beneath the waves. He did not know which way was up. The Danish soldiers dragged the survivors from the sea onto the undamaged ships. They had captured what remained of Sveepdog's army, but there was no sign of Hadding. 
it seemed that the son of Graham had followed his father to Valhalla. (gasps) Hadding exploded from the water, sucking in air in huge, desperate gasps. He was alive. The crew scrambled to drag their leader aboard. They stood around him, watching silently as he vomited seawater and bile onto the deck. Those who stood closest stared in awe at the object he clutched beneath his arm, unable to believe what they were seeing. At last, Hadding pushed himself shakily to his feet. He lifted the object high so that all of his men could see the severed head of King Sveepdog. A grin spread across Hadding's face as the Danes began to chant his name. Their greatest enemy, Sveepdog, the man who had killed Hadding's father, usurped his throne and oppressed the Danes, was dead. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode continuing the story of King Hadding. If you enjoy mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children. And every other Saturday, we dive into another dark, classic tale. You can find Tales, more episodes of Mythology, and all of ParCast's other shows on Spotify or your favorite podcast directory. Several of you have asked how to help Mythology. If you enjoy the show, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back next week with another epic tale. Mythology was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Kenny Hobbs, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Carly Madden. Mythology is written by Andrew Kelleher. The amazing cast of voice actors includes, by alphabetical order, Mike Capozzi, Susanna Corrington, Harris Markson, and Monib Raymond. I'm Vanessa Richardson.